Uh, as I've told a lot of you already, there is a reason for the ensemble. I, uh, I dressed a little early for Halloween, so give me a second here. Get all situated. I promise you, I'm just going to put this on for a second. I'm not going to wear it while I preach, just to ease your conscience, all right? <laughs> I did dress up for Halloween. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you need a hint as to who I am for Halloween, I do got some car wash tokens. <laughs> Anybody? Uh, I'll pay you in car wash tokens if you would like any car wash tokens. Yeah. <laughs> so if you didn't get the hint, I'm Eddie Bean for Halloween. Yeah. Our dear elder Eddie Bean. Because here's the thing. Outside of Sunday, I'm convinced he wears overalls every other day of the week. So every day, every day. And so, yes, that's, that's something I've noticed and something I decided. Yeah, I had, to, I had to degrade myself by wearing this cap here. So, you know. <laughs> All right, I'll set that there. Uh, I'll put these back in my pocket here. There's a lot of pouches on these things. I got to say, I counted eight. I was like, wow, I need to wear these more often, you know. The snack pocket, the change pocket, you know, you got pockets for all sorts of things. Yeah, and a like, nice big pocket right here. You know, you can fit a little kangaroo right here if you wanted to. Little, yeah. See, <laughs> so yes, I'm Eddie Bean for Halloween. Yeah, a lot of lures, you know. Go out fishing, go out working, whatever you need. Uh, I do have a few things. I need to pull up my phone. I got to remember to announce some things before getting into the sermon. Uh, so. Ah, yes, Judy, could you real quick, if you can, can you pan out the camera to where we could see the audience a bit, if, that's, if it pans out enough? Uh, the reason being is there's a lady by the name of Betty Willard who lives in the retirement home just in Mineral Springs, and she's unable to come here. And so she asked me, hey, Aaron, could you have them pan out the camera so I could see the audience, right? And, and I'm sure you could get that. There are some people who are unable to... Uh, attend, be present. There are some people who watch online because that's the only way they can. And I assume sometimes it'd probably be lonely, right? They, they miss being in church with us. And Betty, if you, I, I know you'll be watching later. Uh, eventually, you know, one way or another, we're going to have to get you here, whether it be throwing you in the back of a trunk or something. So uh, we'll, we'll get you here. Uh, and so you can zoom it in now. Good to go. All right. Uh, one more thing before I get into the sermon is youth, all right? So I did announce last week that Michaela and I, Michaela and I were planning on starting a youth devotional. The issue is what day would be best. And so real quick, well, maybe not real quick, maybe you can do this later or whenever, take a picture of that uh, slide there if you want and to do it later. You can fill that survey out uh, to pick what day would be best uh, for those interested, you know, type that code in when you go to that link, and uh, fill out the survey, what day, and there's another question to ask, uh, what time, if like Saturday would be best. Uh, so fill out that survey if you're interested. And yes, it's going to be Michaela and I. We're going to be leading this class together. Why? Because there are a lot of teens here who are girls, and I cannot fully relate to girls, and so she's going to be a big help leading this class with me. And right now, I guess the idea we have to begin this class is for those who don't know, there's this series called The Chosen, right? and it's a, uh, I guess, a, a crowd-funded uh, TV series about the life of Christ, and it's very well done. And I do not say this lightly. I'm a 
I'm pretty particular and I'm a stickler when it comes to movies. I like good acting, and this is actually pretty good. And so what we're going to do is we're going to watch maybe like 30 minutes of The Chosen, and then after that, take a look at the text they base that episode on and discuss it. So why do that? Well, one, you still get to look at the text, you get to discuss it, and two, it is fun. Right? It's a good little show, it's informative, it really it gives you a good idea of what it might have looked like uh, during Christ's life. Now that being said, let's get into the sermon. So, that is not my sermon, that is my class. <laughs> Let me flip on over, there we go. Uh, there was one time in middle school that, I guess you could say I got into a tussle, some are like, oh my goodness, our preacher got into a tussle. Yes, so let me explain. In middle school, we had soccer practice, and our soccer practice happened in the middle of the day. Uh, and I had my two pairs of shorts, right? One pair of shorts to go practice soccer in, and one pair of shorts to wear throughout the day. So, you know, I, I went out, we had our practice, had our soccer practice. I came back in to find that my school shorts were missing. And here's the thing about my school shorts. I had my, at the time, what was I guess... <laughs> like first-gen iPod, uh, which that makes me an old Gen Z. Some are like, no, you're still young. Anyway, but I had my iPod in my shorts. It's like, oh my goodness, I lost my shorts, which means I lost my iPod. Where did it go? And then comes in one of my teammates wearing my school shorts with my iPod in it. And I got so angry. I'm going to be honest with you. I got so angry. I ran over to him like, what are you doing? Why do you have my shorts on? I need them in the stomach and threw them on the ground, okay? I'm just being honest with you. That's what happens, all right? I slipped up, and then while I did that, the coach walked in, right? He walked in to see all this happen, and obviously he wasn't happy, he wasn't happy and so he brought both of, us, both of us outside. What's going on? Why would you do that? And so here I am, let me be honest again, I'm just in tears, okay? Tears because th that was out of the norm. I've never done anything like that, and not only that, my teammates were shocked because they've never seen me lash out like that. They're like, oh my goodness, Aaron, Aaron was trying to fight him. And so I was just crying in front of my coach, in front of my teammate, because I just, I, I was like, I'm sorry, I, I don't normally, I don't do this kind of thing. But my coach, even though he had every reason to, he could have sent me to the principal's office, he could have sent me to my punishment, but instead he showed me mercy. Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. You see, God is so merciful towards us, is he not? Okay, that's where you say amen, but God is so merciful towards us. And like my coach, see, he had a reason to send me to my punishment, but he didn't. And God, out of his mercy, he has every reason to send us to our punishment, but he doesn't. Instead, he shows us mercy. I like to think of mercy as unmerited compassion. See, oh, how God, he could have brought his wrath upon us, but instead he chooses to show us mercy. And we see this throughout Scripture, right? God's mercy upon people with Noah. Noah, you know, yeah, he was counted as righteous. Now, that doesn't mean he was, he was righteous. He was just counted as righteous. You know, he, he didn't live a perfect life. And his family, certainly, they weren't righteous. And yet God showed them mercy. Abraham, right? He, was, he wasn't that rich. Uh, there were other options that God could have chosen to, 
to live through, to show mercy to, to love, and yet he chose Abraham and decided to build a nation through him. He showed him mercy. And of course, Abraham's son Isaac. Isaac, who was to be offered up as a sacrifice, and God showed him mercy, saying, you know what, someday I'm going to do this for humanity. Right now, I'm going to show you mercy, and later on, I'm going to show you something even bigger, a bigger act of mercy. And of course, Jacob, otherwise known as Israel, and Israel, the nation that comes from Jacob, the amount of times God showed them mercy. Right? We all know Israel was like, a, I don't know, the, the black sheep of a family. You know, they, they were mischievous. They, they, they did not follow God's laws. They went after idols. They went after other gods. And yet, time and time again, God showed Israel, the nation, mercy. And so throughout Scripture... We see so many people who don't merit mercy. They don't deserve it. They didn't do anything for it, but God shows them mercy. Now, we kind of touched on this last week, right? Last week, we talked about the the sinner and what he prayed. Such a profound prayer. God, be merciful to to me, a sinner. We talked about how he, he didn't earn his righteousness, but because of that simple prayer, that honesty, God, look, I'm a sinner. I need your mercy he left away, declared righteous, declared justified. That sinner, he didn't merit mercy. He didn't earn God's mercy, but he got it anyway. See, God is so merciful towards us, and he deserves praise for this, like in Lamentations, right? Lamentation chapter 3, verses 22 through 24, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Right? We sing that. His mercies, they never come to an end. They're new every morning, meaning every time you wake up, every day you wake up, God's mercy is upon you, and it's mercy that you did not earn. You don't earn mercy while you're sleeping. God shows mercy to you regardless of whether or not you earned it. And I thought before we get into how we can be merciful, it's very important for us to realize how merciful God is towards us. Blessed are the merciful because they shall receive mercy. Now, before getting into the main text I want to dive into, I do have a question I want you all to ponder as we go through the text. Is mercy something you don't earn but can lose? All right, we already answered the first part of that. Yes, mercy is something you do not earn. We saw that with the, the sinner who prayed, God, I, I'm a sinner, have mercy on me. Right? And he was shown mercy, not because he did anything, not because he lived righteously, but because God is merciful. See, so yes, mercy is not something you earn, but is mercy something you can lose? So let's look at Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 22. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. All right, so here's the context for the parable Jesus is about to give that's centered on mercy. Peter asks, how many times should I forgive my 
brother. Seven times, right? That, that seems like an adequate amount. Seven, completeness. And of course, Jesus, he responds, no, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, the point is not you've got to count up to 77, right? The point is you are to forgive indefinitely. Surely, you're probably not going to reach 77, okay? Jesus is saying you've got to forgive indefinitely. So the context for this parable about mercy is forgiveness. Is mercy something you can lose? Now, before we go on in the text, I do have to provide a caveat of sorts. So forgiveness essentially and basically is a canceling of debt, right? Somebody wrongs you and you don't demand punishment. You don't demand repayment for the wrong done. That's essentially what forgiveness is. Now, there's more to it than that in this passage. We're going to see that, but that's essentially what forgiveness is. And a caveat before we go on, all right? Forgiveness does not mean you're going to return to being best buds with whoever you forgave, all right? There's a misconception that so many people have is that to forgive, I have to be reconciled. In other words, to uh, have a restored relationship, right? I'm going to tell you this. Forgiveness does not always entail reconciliation because, quite frankly, that's not always possible. Right? Sometimes uh, you, you can forgive somebody, but there can't uh, be any reconciliation, maybe because of that person's choice. They don't want to be reconciled. Now, I know I'm just touching on this, just briefly touching on this, and this in itself can be a whole sermon, but just to clarify, forgiveness does not always entail reconciliation. Now, continue on in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Before we go on, the kingdom of heaven, what do we know about that phrase? Well, that phrase, simply put, is God's, or the extent of God's effective rule. Now, that can be both now and later, right? There's a sense where the kingdom of heaven is now, in other words, God's people now, and then later when eventually Christ returns and establishes God's kingdom with all his faithful. So the kingdom of heaven can both refer to something now and later. And here I think he's referring to now. Let's look at verse 24. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. Now, a talent was 20 years worth of wage, and he owes 10,000 of those talents. If I did the math right, I'm not a math major, I was a Bible major. Uh, Bible majors can't really do math. Uh, so 10,000 talents would have been 200,000 years worth of labor. That is his debt. In modern terms, that would be $10.8 billion of debt. Anybody got $10.8 billion laying around? None of it, we, All of our money combined would not even be close to that, right? $10.8 billion. 200,000 years worth of debt. Say you're lucky and you live 70 good years. That's still only 0.035% of that debt. See, you got to take this seriously here. When Jesus is talking about this, he's talking about our debt. This is how serious our debt is, okay? 200,000 years worth, that is impossible to pay off. And that's the point. Jesus wants you to realize how serious your sin debt is and how seriously you need him because there is no way you can even pay a percentage of that debt. Verse 25. And since he could not pay, 
His master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. His wife, children, himself still would not have been enough. You see, your life is still not enough to pay your sin debt. Somebody had to do something for you. I don't think you realize that. Some people get in their minds that, okay, I just got to live a good life and that's going to pay my sin debt. No, that's not how that works because even if you live a good life, your life would not be enough to pay your sin debt. And this is how the servant responds in verse 26. So the servant, he fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. I could imagine the king looking at him. Maybe a slight smile on his face. You'll pay me everything? Of course the servant doesn't realize that's impossible. Have you ever responded this way to your sin? Understanding that you you lack so much that you fall on the ground and weep before God. God, I am so sinful. Just as Peter, he fell before Jesus. uh, Depart from me, I am a sinful man. When we think about our sin, that should be one of our first responses. To get down before the Father and weep because we know we can't do anything about it. We can't. So that's how this servant responds. Verse 27 says this, And out of pity or compassion for him, the master of the, that servant released him and forgave the debt. He had pity or compassion and he forgave that debt, 200,000 years worth, $10.8 billion in modern terms. You just forgive that? As we all know, there's not a single person, not a single business owner, not a single person in our society that would do that. Right? Forgiving $10.8 billion worth makes no sense business-wise. And to us, that wouldn't make sense at all. But our Father, our God, He looks at us, He sees that massive amount of debt and says, you know what, I'm going to forgive that. Because that's what's happened on the cross, isn't it? He looked at us, knowing that we could never even pay a percent of our debt, and said, you know what, I'm going to pay that debt. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to lose my son so that your debt can be wiped clean. Verse 28. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. This man who was just forgiven an impossible amount of debt goes out, finds somebody who owes him money, a hundred denarii, which is a hundred days worth of labor, and shakes him down. A hundred days compared to his 200,000 years. He shakes them down. Unfortunately, that's how we act sometimes, isn't it? 
We come before the Father and say, God, I'm so thankful that you've forgiven my debt. I I know there's nothing I could have done. You are so gracious. You are so merciful. We come to our Father. We come to church. We act like we're we're all with this. We act like we got Jesus inside of us. We act like we got the Spirit working in us. And then we go outside and shake somebody down for a little bit of debt they owe us. In the face of our 200,000 years worth. Verses 29 through 30. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He said the same thing as the person who's not forgiving him. Verse 30. He refused and went to put him in prison until he should pay the debt. In contrast to the mercy the king showed to this servant, The servant decides that his offender ought to go to prison. See, what if God was like this servant here who was unforgiving? There's not a single person in here. There's not a single person on this earth that would be in heaven if God were like that. But he's not. God is like the king who looks at our debt and says, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to show you mercy. Verses 31 through 33. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgive you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? Let me ask you a simple question. Very simple, straightforward. The text answers it. Should we have mercy with others as God has had mercy with us? Yes. Yes. See, the sermon could be as simple as that. Should we have mercy as God has had mercy with us? The answer being yes, and then I could just leave. Verses 34 and 35, the text continues. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Obviously, that wouldn't happen. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So remember the question I asked you, is mercy something you can lose? Yes. Mercy is something you can lose, and you will lose it if you are not merciful to others as God has been merciful to you. If you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart, you will be thrown in prison. So what does it mean to forgive from your heart? See, forgiveness is much more than just uh, forgiving a debt, not making somebody pay you for what they did wrong. So what does it mean to forgive from your heart? Well, you've got to remember what the heart is in the Greek. The Greek, they're not thinking of the, the organ that pumps blood, right? The heart was the seat of feeling, impulse, affection, and desire. So ask yourself, have you forgiven somebody from your heart? Because if you, if you just think about somebody uh, who's wronged you, 
you think about all the ways you can get back at them, you probably haven't forgiven them from your heart. If you think about somebody who's wronged you and you go talk trash about them constantly, then you probably haven't forgiven them from your heart. If your desire is that offender would somehow fall into harm, even if it weren't for the thing they did to you, then you probably have not forgiven from your heart. So forgiveness is so much more than just saying, you don't have to pay me that debt. Forgiveness must take place in your heart. I'm not going to pretend I got this down. I'm not going to pretend this is easy, right? Just the other day, somebody on this stretch of highway here, you know, I was going to speed limit. I don't know what to say. They, they were tailgating me and they, you know, got real close to me, right by, right? It's like, ah, I wish a cop would just pull you over right now. Never happens when you want it to, but... Um, <laughs> But my point is, something is so simple as that. I was just so upset, so angry. So I'm not going to pretend I got this down. There are still some times where i got to work on forgiving somebody from my heart. Not thinking ill of them. Not wishing that they would suffer. We have to have pure desires. We have to have a pure heart. We have to forgive from our heart. In light of God's mercy, I hope that you will be inspired to be merciful towards others because I cannot emphasize this enough, what God has done for us. Right? If you don't look at the debt you, that has been paid for you, if you don't look at your sin debt, that 200,000 years worth, give or take maybe 100,000, That's been forgiven? You're telling me that's been forgiven? That should make you want to be merciful. That should just get into you in your heart. It's hard to explain sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes when you look in the face of that, our heart aches. We're not even sure what to say. But let me tell you what we could do. In light of God's mercy towards us, We ought to be merciful towards others because church blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. If you have not received that mercy, you can now as we stand and sing.